Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week we travel to Denmark. Hello and welcome to Second Cherry. I am Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is a podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. And each week we then take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, will vote for your favourites and at our live event we will crown the winner of the second cherry song contest. Hello everyone again. Hello. How are you? I'm good, Monty. How are you? I'm all right. I'm bringing slightly less of myself to the show this week. Oh, right. Why is yes, that? Because I'm, I'm, there's less of me. I've had a tooth taken out. So apologies if I'm a bit slurry and dribbling down my face. Yeah, nothing to do with the alcohol. It's all to do with the... Well, I was talking to an old wife and right. she told me a tale. <laughs> <laughs> about how alcohol was sort of like nature's anaesthetic. So this uh, lovely bottle of Albarino is hopefully going to cure my gash. Well, chin chin to that. That's this clink. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, while Monty is seeing to his gash, um, I'm, I'm going to... We've been calling out for people to message us or to send us email. And you have... In your thousands, well, okay, one. But um, so we had a message from Neil Durham um, from Monster Gigs. I think it's like a, a review of like podcasts and entertainment and gigs and concerts and all that sort of thing. So and he sent us um, a message, just a little message. I thought I might read it out. It's hello, Monty and Matt. A big thank you from all at Team Monster Gigs for your excellent podcast. Okay, now already. I'm very happy with it. We love Neil. And that's why. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, please do keep giving us advanced warning of where in Eurovision land you'll be travelling to in your next episode. Well, sometimes we don't know that, but we'll try. Yeah, we'll try. And we've been listening to this year's unexpectedly fine banger-filled Israeli selection all week in preparation to maximise our enjoyment for the next episode. Neil. Hurrah! So obviously he sent that before the last episode came out. But yes. Yeah. So thanks, Neil. Um, lovely words. Very lovely. Neil has been a real champion, actually. And thank you very much for that. Because the other day he included us in um, an article about what Monster Gigs were looking forward to in July. And in the same article was the fantastic series by Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You. (gasps) And my colleagues have been talking about how much they love that. And I was able to present them with this article and go, look, my podcast is being discussed in the same article as these other cultural feasts, (laughs) including this programme that you're raving about. So yeah, brownie points for me. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, thanks, Neil. That's uh, yeah. So, um, see, if you're scared about writing in, we're nice about it. Write in. So, Unless yeah. you're nasty, if you're... no, I don't mind because then you know well, we can turn it into amusement, can't we? Yeah, <laughs> we're not precious. So, yeah, we just want to start talking to people because, quite frankly, me and Monty talk to each other on this podcast <laughs> constantly. We're bored of our voices. So speak for yourself. Yeah, well. <laughs> but anyway, more on that later. Maybe, maybe we'll have some special guests. Maybe we won't. 
Maybe we will. We'll see. So, yes, as Monty said at the top of the programme, we are in Denmark, in inverted commas. And, well, let's get into it. So, the Danish national final, thanks Melody Grand Prix, it was held on the 7th of March at the Royal Arena in Copenhagen. Now, notably, this was quite a late national final in the season. So we were kind of at the start of the coronavirus COVID situation. And then this national final was held in the arena, but was to an empty arena. There was no tickets being sold. There was no audience. It was literally minimal production crew. If I remember rightly, I think, um, and then just the performers and the and the you know um, musicians on stage. So it was an odd thing. I've never in my life seen anything like that. Have you? Wendy? Not as a live TV show. I've seen obviously been in the hall or been in places where sound checks are happening or where rehearsals are going on. But this was really different. It was a very very strange environment and interesting because it was on the seventh of March. So Denmark had locked down by then. But the following Saturday in Sweden, Melody Festival and went ahead as planned with a full audience in the enormous Friends Arena. Mm. So, you know, I'm not going to get diverted into, you know, who has adopted the correct procedures or the best procedures. But yeah, it's a difference of approach, a notable difference of approach between Denmark and Sweden at around the same time. It's odd though, because actually, not only was it weird to watch, I felt you really saw how flat an atmosphere it was. And it really emphasised how much energy a live crowd bring to a show like this. So I think it this was happening at the time that People were mooting, could Eurovision happen behind closed doors? Which obviously, you know, they decided not to in the end, they decided to cancel. But I think this gave us a flavour of just how weird and not right that would have been had Eurovision happened in that way. I am desperately sorry that it got cancelled, but I don't think I would have enjoyed it being presented in an empty arena. Mm. There's something in that because if you look at um, the way football matches are presented on TV now, um, they have, you know, built-in crowd sounds. Um, if you want to have that, you can choose. So I feel like maybe that might have been a way for we know a little bit more about how we deal with these things now. But yeah, I, yeah, I don't think it would have been a good, a good thing. So Monty, tell everyone about the format of this national final because there were semi-finals and it was all different. How did it? Yeah, so not televised semi-finals. There was a round before the live TV final. So nine um, entries were selected to compete in a radio competition on P4, one of the channels in Denmark. Um, Of those, there were three heats of that. And of those three songs qualified, one from each of those heats, uh, on the public vote. And then two more were selected of the remaining six, who went forward as wild cards to make up five finalists in the televised final. Five songs were also added at that stage that were kind of pre-qualified or selected by the TV company. So we had 10 in the final. And we'll comment on 
the divide between those entries as we go through because I think something quite interesting happened in hmm. the super final. So once we got to the TV uh, round, ten songs were performed. Three of them advanced to the super final, and they were voted um, at the first stage a fifty-fifty televote and public uh, televote and jury. And then once they got to the super final, it was public vote only on those remaining three songs. Yeah, I think also when you say televote, I think it was slightly different because it was just text message and app voting was the televote element rather okay. than calling in to mm. a number like we used to. Oh, they're very modern, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it was BBC a slightly... BBC don't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the BBC don't do that because there was some corruption in a phone-in vote once. Uh, not with Eurovision, I don't think, but yeah, there's uh, there are certain rules and regulations around the BBC televoting procedures. Oh, God, it all gets so, very messy, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, because for a while, you've not been able to vote on the app from the UK whilst you can around the rest of Europe. Yeah. And that's to do with BBC rulings, I think, because they're managing that process. I think this year, though, you could vote through the app at Eurovision. Yeah. Do you know, can I... I admit, I've actually never voted at Eurovision, officially. Say what now? I've never actually voted, because, A, I've just been too drunk some years, or I've been, you know there doing other things I, I did actually to be fair to me I did try and vote in Lisbon and I couldn't do it and then last year or not like yeah 2019 I was in the press centre and, and um, no I wasn't drunk I'm not going to admit to that live on the podcast but I was busy <laughs> doing late. work so can't vote soz but no I never never actually <laughs> voted well I, I mean when you're there it's difficult because you yeah. have to have a local sim card and not everybody's going to have that but I, whenever I'm in the UK for it, I always make sure I vote. Oh, well, there you yeah. go. Multiple times. Bad fan, bad fan. And then I forget how many times I've voted, and then my phone bill comes in the next one. <laughs> what the hell is all this? <laughs> be voting 25 times for something obscure, because I fancy the singer. <laughs> yeah, also drink-related. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, so, that, so that's national final. That's the way it run down. And there was a winner. And that was Ben and Tan with the song Yes. Let's have a little listen to that. Now, I quite like this, Monty. I don't know about you. Um, and, and I want to ask the question, really, of did the right song win this national final? Well, it... I know we're about to come on to the other yeah, songs. Yeah. But it's interesting, just as a what you think. I think the obvious song won this national final. And I think when you look at the breakdown of the super final votes, the winning song got 61% of the, te- the super final vote so it was a very very clear favorite with the danish public so in that sense yes the song that the danish public wanted to win won um, and that's not always the case when you have these shenanigans around percentage of public and uh, vote and jury vote so yes in that sense the right song absolutely won um was it the best song no i didn't really like it i have to say 
Uh, it was the kind of song that once I was listening to it, I'd be like, oh yeah, this is all right. But I would never have been inspired to play voluntarily. Yeah. If that makes sense. It wouldn't be a song I would elect to listen to. But in the context of listening to this year's entries, when it was on, I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, exactly the same for me. It's not a song I put on. I never put it on. But when it does fall on my playlist, as it would, mm-hmm. um, I never skip it. It's a toe tapper. But yeah, it, it's uh, not really a one I select. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I do think it's the I do think the right song won though to answer yeah. that question. Yeah. Before we go and talk about the songs that we're going to talk about, I think it's just also worth adding that in the in the national final, it was the first time that there was a live orchestra since nineteen ninety nine. Mm. I say orchestra when you see them on stage, it's a very small orchestra. It looks more like a, a band in that. It's like a, it's like chamber band. chamber music band, yeah, but, big, but bigger. It was yes, bigger. Yeah. yeah, there was maybe about a dozen or so yeah. musicians in there. So not a full symphony orchestra, but it was the first time that there was live music at the Danish national final um, since nineteen ninety nine. So the first song that we are going to listen to is called Forget It All by Kenny Dueland. Now, I, I've got to mention the trumpets. I love the trumpets and the brass, you know, talking of this orchestra. Um, they sort of featured quite prominently in this, and the cameras knew that, so they did a couple of shots of them, and I like that. I like that sort of interplay with what's going on with the musicians and what's going on on stage. Something to think about, actually, that we don't get that with no orchestra nowadays mm. at Eurovision. Interesting. This is one of my personal favourites, of the competition it's kind of like a sam smith inspired track like with that falsetto in the chorus mm-hmm. um not that he looks like sam smith or is anything like him at all but just that the way the song is it just reminds me of him a lot lots of triangle motifs on stage i think because the staging had a triangle and it's just something that crops up a lot in national finals in the 2020 season actually we should call it out every time we see it because i think there's quite a lot of it but uh the lyrics of the song i want to talk about i feel like they're quite safe generic almost like it's almost like it was written by somebody whose English isn't their first language it's kind of like generic terminology I didn't get anything real from it kind of like I've heard it all before and then couple that with a vocal that wasn't quite there wasn't quite strong enough he failed in places a little bit and I think the whole team when we had our um, discussion around this in the second cherry team everyone said the same thing like oh that's just bit of a shame actually the live performance doesn't really match up to the recording yeah i mean i think that's generous description of the vocal performance it, i mean i i like this it's got it's got a very pleasant tune but he strays a long way from the tune at times when he's singing the chorus i'm not entirely sure what the tune's meant to be at times i yeah, this again. It's it does have a pleasant melody. I do like it. I thought he 
verge towards the screechy during the falsetto moments. You've got to be quite vocally assured to be able to pull that off. Um, and whether it was nerves or whether it's lack of technique or whatever, it just didn't work in the live setting. I think there's a risk sometimes when you have a song called something like Forget It All, because it's it's almost like a bit prophetic. It's a bit, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's going to be forgotten. It's a little bit like, don't play that song again. I was just about to say, like, you're, you're yeah, just inviting <laughs> people to... <laughs> so I think, yeah, it was a little bit cliched. But again, a, a nice, pleasant tune. And I think that sort of... That feels a bit emblematic of the Danish final for me. There was quite a lot of pleasant stuff in it. Yes, agreed. So let's move on to the second song. And this is Screens by Sander Sanchez. There's a thousand faces, don't know what it means Looking at the bright lights, feeding us a dream Staring at the screens, staring at the screens 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 Monty, what are your thoughts? Well, this is quite interesting, I think. it's This is a song that came second in the superfinal. Mm. Only 20% of the vote compared to the winner's 61% in that um, uh, superfinal of three songs. But I think this is um, quite interesting. This is one of the songs that qualified from the radio competition as was the last one actually it qualified in its in its mini heat of three songs i quite like the sort of aesthetic he's wearing a pleasing see-through mac which is kind of sort of it it's a rain it's rainbow iridescent isn't it's it? it's that kind of thing which reflects the light in different ways the way it falls on it so it reflects the spectrum of lights and i quite like that and there was something um, very modern queer about the look. I don't know, let's sort of comment on his identity, I don't know what that is at all, but the aesthetic was that of what we see um, in in that scene. But I don't know, there was, it felt like there was a bit of a disconnect. I mean, the song was a little bit about there being a disconnect lyrically. And I don't know, there was, it felt a little bit flat to me. But I think... I have to view that in the context of everything feeling a little bit flat. And I think that's to do with the lack of the audience. There are songs that I listen to quite a lot on audio that I found really nice that when they translated into this particular live setting just seem to lose a lot of their energy. And I really genuinely think that is the lack of the, the will of the crowd. We do have to keep that in consideration because it's funny, you've echoed exactly what I said in the sense that it is a song about putting down your phone, connecting to the here and now and real life. And ironically, it didn't connect with me at all as a song. And I, I know why that is, actually. His diction was terrible, really. I couldn't, I genuinely had to look up the lyrics of the song because I couldn't, the first verse, I couldn't really understand what he was saying. Um, and that's not like an English language thing, like literally just couldn't, yeah, the way he afflicted his voice. 
he sang into the microphone. I mean, of course he did, but he sang, he performed into the microphone. Mm-hmm. And at one point I watched him and he closed his eyes for about 15 seconds, right? <laughs> That's a hell of a long time. He just didn't perform it. Now I would, you know, we have to look at the fact there was no crowd and I can't imagine, I would give him the benefit of the doubt and say, if there was a crowd willing him on, mm-hmm. people right there in the front row, he wouldn't stand there with his eyes closed. He just it would, it would seem weird to him, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that's what it was, and it's not a fact of he's not been coached properly, or the oil or some musical director said, "Look, come on, give us, give us more," and he's just ignored that direction. I don't know. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. It, but the whole song felt like it was at seventy percent, almost like it was a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about this song at all. I found it quite forgettable. Um, I do like that theme. You know, there's been a few songs that I can think of that have that, you know, we must be better and connect. And, they, you know, it's kind of preachy or whatever. This, this, when you actually look at the lyrics of this song, it's actually, the lyrics are quite good. And talking about the writers of this song, actually, Christopher Wardley was a co-writer. I think he's a lyricist. He might be a musician as well. But he also wrote a number or was involved in lots of Eurovision songs or national final songs that we would recognise. But notably, he worked with Laurel Barker oh. on Legends, the UK act, yes. which didn't make it to Eurovision, yes. which everyone thought would a few years ago. Now, it's, I, I bring that up because the thing about this song, I think the plus point of this song is the lyrics. And it's just worth bringing him up that he also wrote songs that we are aware of. And this is the song which really the only thing I think has got going for it are the lyrics. Um, just to pick up on the queer aesthetic, I, I liked that. I quite liked the fact that it wasn't, an, you know, your standard stereotypical out there look. He had something wrapped around his head. I wasn't quite sure what it was, like a daisy chain head necklace thing. But he was clearly somebody, he seemed quite genuine. So again, I don't want to, we don't want to talk about his sexuality or whether he is or isn't, but just visibly presenting as a queer aesthetic. And I appreciated that much for sure. Yeah, I think it's interesting when you've got somebody who is, as you say, performing into the microphone, when there's an audience there, you can play to the audience. And I understand that somebody really going inside themselves to get in touch with the emotion they want to convey while performing can be very effective. But you've got to remember that concept of telling the story at Eurovision. And this is a visual competition and this was a tv show this isn't a gig so you do need to have that connection with the audience and i think that was what was missing Mm. here but i really like the song okay so the next song we are going to listen to is the song called human and it's by jasmine rose featuring roxa loops Now, this is why I love doing Second Cherry, because I approached our Second Cherry team meeting where we discussed songs with this quite low down in my order of preference. And then talking to the guys uh, changed my opinion a little bit. 
um, through the discussion. And the more you listen, the more you see and hear with this, I think. I'm going to quote Terry Wogan. I can't believe I'm quoting Terry Wogan, but it's got a whiff of the souk <laughs> about it. And, you know, we're going to hark back to what we said last week, where this Mediterranean pop banger with that Eastern, the Middle Eastern vibe about it. And um, there's something about this song that has that. It's got that beat. It's got that sort of uh, melody to it. It really, really appeals to me. It's clumsy in places in terms of the presentation because the way the cyborg humanoid robot thing starts moving, it just, it's a bit jarring for me. I don't quite get what's going on there. I mean, I understand it's a song about being human, but I don't know, maybe a bit on the nose. Um, again, talking about songwriters, Lisa Cabell co-wrote the song, who again is known to us um, for writing Only Teardrops, the winner of 2013 Eurovision, Emily DeForest, and also Monty's favourite song of all time, the Danish entry from 2019. Yuck. Love is Forever. By yeah. <laughs> she wrote that as well, part of that. And I love this because these songwriters, they prop up, you know, every now and again in national finals and it's just interesting to see that they they really, really are in tune with what works at Eurovision and, you know. So, it's yeah. a little bit of a cottage industry going on. All of these songwriters that are jumping from country to country and songwriting camp to songwriting camp. But I think it's quite interesting that there is... There's a definite aspiration to write for Eurovision. And I think that can only be a good thing. I think people are missing a trick. I genuinely think we're missing a trick. You know, these songwriters aren't any better or worse than general work. These are all working songwriters. You know, it doesn't matter what you're trying to write for. There's something in this. I think if songwriters are looking for the next idea, the next project, the next inspiration, the next thing to get your teeth into... Writing for Eurovision is a really good way to go because it's not just write a great song and submit it. You've got to kind of understand the way in which your song is going to be received. It's yes. different, isn't it? It's different from just writing a song for someone to sing in, in industry, in the charts or whatever. It's a different thing. Which is not to say that there's a formula that you can write to that works. No, no, no. No, yeah, no, no. It's different to that. But there is a definite sort of you know industry going on around this I really like this um, it's a nice bit of electronic pop for me you're right about the presentation it is a little bit odd there's a kind of Cyberman stalking around in a costume and she's you know standing on a plinth asking existential questions but it's it's quite interesting I, again it's around this disconnect in society mm. so in a way this is almost a song that's perfect for the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, it kind of, it feels as though it slots in to the societal feeling around mm. that. This kind of sort of slightly disconnected and slightly lost, slightly anxious feeling that it creates. Um, but as a pop song, I think it works really well. I have to mention, not Jasmine Rose the singer, but Rocks a Lot. Rocks and Lops. Rocks and, <laughs> <laughs> Rocks and Loops. Uh, who is. Um, oh, that's like a Watership Down character. <laughs> Rocks and Loops, who is the featured uh, artist, um, who is uh, Seneca Danhue. 
for want of a better uh, way of saying that. Um, he's a Belgian beatboxer and songwriter, and he's not a stranger to Eurovision. Right. He got there himself in 2011 for Belgium as part of the act called Whitloof Bay with their song With Love Baby. It was an a cappella song. That got right on my ten, <laughs> that song. I really don't like a cappella at all. It really bugs the titting crap out of me. <laughs> so this isn't a great pedigree for me uh, of him as a songwriter. But he's come quite good on this. I, I do like what he's done with this song. So song number four, which we're going to discuss, is Honestly by Sis Biela. Turn the tide, enjoy the ride, we might die soon anyway. And honestly, what have we got to lose? We could choose to set us free, to trust in each other and not just the news. And why if we could let the past and future be love unconditionally? I know it sounds so strange, but it's only Monty, thoughts, please. Well, this is very happy clappy, isn't it? She's uh, got mm. a bit of a hippie vibe going on. She's wearing a, a kind of jumper that we used to make doormats in the same style. Well, not me personally, but in where I lived, there was a, a, a tradition called making clippy mats, and you would take scraps of material and prog them through and make this doormat out of it um and she's wearing a jumper that looks like it's been in the same style <laughs> um you met, we mentioned actually a bit of a theme of that kind of human connection and the how we relate to one another going through some of the songs and that's really coming through here as well she's talking of essentially kind of sort of trusting in one another and having a more open conversation about how we want to engage with the world and how we want to engage with those around us which is all very admirable and there's sort of twee bits in this where she's talking about well you know i want or you know i want to live in a world where the polar bears still exist so there's sort of environmental issues coming through in this as well but she's just so annoying (laughs) I mean, I'm sorry, but the the way she presents this song for me is, I know I, it just really, it really grates on me. I don't know if it's because it, the way she presents it or the way she comes at it, it just feels a little bit trite. Um, it feels a bit hackneyed. It feels, it doesn't feel that it, she's coming at it with the honesty that the title, honestly, suggests that she should be bringing it. It feels a little bit contrived. I think I know what you mean, because I wouldn't put this artist with this song. I don't think it needs this sort of meek and mild, vulnerable vocal. I don't think it works. I think that's the issue. I think that's why there's no connection. For me, mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is. I, I, I pick up on this. You know, this song is reflecting on the natural world, right? It's this biophilic look and feel. Um, this state on on stage, I mean. So, the the there's panels on stage, which you sort of which cover the orchestra or the the 
the there's a violinist and or cellist or there's different parts of the orchestra on stage with her behind these screens, and they're like this green color, which just remind the, the whole look on the stage reminds me of like a dirty pisser in a rundown gay club. It was like <laughs> I one honestly, we'll put a link in the show notes to all the songs. Look at the performance. You will, you will know exactly what I mean by that. It's not like I'm not honestly it's like this green sewage color and i think i've been to this club i've pissed up against this wall i've been there right not it, it, i found it really you pissed all over her dreams of saving the polar bears you <laughs> rancid man this has far cool to do with polar bears i'm sorry <laughs> but you know we've all been there um but no no look 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 joking aside i think sis is probably one of the biggest names of this national final in terms of pedigree pedigree and what she's you know, I think she's gone platinum for an album in Denmark and so on. You know, she's, she's one of the biggest names, right? She certainly performed, whatever you think of the performance, she certainly performed with ease. That is a professional who knows what they're doing. They, they did it exactly how they wanted to, I think. There was all the intention there. The lyrics, I think, don't work at all with the song. We talk about it being about, you know, this connection, that's fine. But this does not work. The song is crammed into the music. I don't think it works at all. I think she wanted to say those exact words and so crammed them into the song. And I can't, you know, I'm not going to take away from the knitwear. That is next level knitwear. But I can't remember anything about this song or performance other than that, really, what's been said. This wouldn't have qualified at Eurovision. It would have bombed badly, I think, if it won. Yeah, I think I think this is the wrong artist with the wrong song. Mm. I think she's better than this. Song five. We're moving on. It's a song in Danish called Villa Önske Jag Har Det Hent by Emil. I am getting a definite, obviously, country folk vibe here, right? It has a very soft centre, this song. You know, it's it is exactly what you see presented on stage. It's a bit of lovely... I'm partial to a song that kind of makes me wistful, you know, like that country can do to you, to people. Simple staging, very simple staging. A guy and his team of people, instruments are all just playing away like a jam session. I like that. It's understated. It connects, though. This is something we're talking about, this connection. I connect with this and maybe the other songs that we spoke about I haven't connected with. I just get this. I know what it is. I know what it's about. And that kind of comes to fruition because it made the super final. Mm. So I feel like there was something here with this. Probably missing a hookier chorus. So, you know, can't really recall it, but mm. I do remember how it made me feel. Yes. Yeah. The other songs perhaps haven't done that. So I quite, I like this. I'd have this ahead of the, some of the other songs that we've spoken about already. It's a song with a lot of emotional connection. It translates as, um, I wish that I'd known you. And so that got me thinking, well, who is it that he wishes he'd known? And uh, looking up the lyrics, it's about his grandfather who died in a car accident before he was born. Mm. So it's about the this desire 
to know somebody that's in the the law of the family mm. you know the folklore of your your family who people speak about with fond memories but you never got to meet and i think it's just a really beautiful emotion and i think that's why there is some integrity around this and there is some reason that we connect with it even though the language is quite impenetrable for most of us this it's written by another eurovision veteran uh, tim shu uh, from a friend in london and one of the other band members as well i'm sorry i don't have his name to hand uh, they were the Danish entrants in 2011 and they're behind uh, this song for Emil. I, it, it works for me. I love the Danish language. Yeah. I really love it. There's something very lilting about it. It sounds nothing like it's written, so it's a nightmare to try and read and pronounce. Um, but of the Nordic languages, it's just got that unique sort of twang to it and I think it really lends itself to song I mean I love songs in Danish and Norwegian and Swedish but there's something about a song in Danish that I absolutely really really adore okay the next song that we are going to cover is um, a song called The Eneste Goth i Vailje The Only Goth in Vailje and it's by Maya and the Sarta Siela. So I slipped this one in as a late notice just before we were recording the podcast. And I think, Matt, you mentioned that about appreciating the songs when you come back to something and something stands out. And I hadn't appreciated this completely passed me by when I first watched the Danish final. But when I was preparing for the podcast and I noticed the title, I suddenly thought, hang on a minute, that means the only goth in violet this place and so i had a look at the lyrics and that's absolutely it and it completely passed me by what it's about so it's a it's a wistful song singing of somebody that the the singer used to know growing up um and who used to listen to the smiths and the cure and new order and was the only goth in Viola and had a meter's murder badge that they would wear i it just what I, a reference point well absolutely in a danish national final for eurovision <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's got that kind of feel of sort of harking back to songs of that era i think as well not necessarily the the really gothy end of that but certainly there's got a bit of a smith's vibe going through it i thought yeah this um, has a brit pop vibe not not full on brit pop but that era no, you're right that era flavor of that yeah and it was just it was interesting because it just completely passed me by the first time and had it not been for just spotting that lyric i don't think i would have even gone back to rewatch it because it wasn't on our short list of songs to talk to tonight no it's literally before we hit record monty said let's just add this in i was like wait what <laughs> and you're right it did it did pass us by 
But really interesting. Mm-hmm. I did not pick up on that. Isn't yeah. it funny? Lyrics is just as important to look into than the music itself because Absolutely. you can learn so much Absolutely. about a song. Absolutely. So that's the six songs we bring you. And actually, it's just made me think of one more song I want to just briefly mention. Not because we're reviewing it, but there's a song called Bye Bye Heaven. Um, I didn't think it was a great song, but... I realised when I saw the title of this today and gave it a quick play back that that song's been in my head and I've been singing it without even realising it. It's been a bit of an earworm. The the chorus has got very melodic bits of the chorus and it's been there and I found myself singing it and didn't realise what it was until I went back and saw this and it wasn't even a song that had hit the radar to discuss how weird that's really weird isn't it you've been afflicted with this national (laughs) (laughs) this it's bizarre for for when i was listening to the songs and i listened to them quite a lot on spotify before the danish final to familiarize myself with them there were many of the songs that i really liked but i couldn't find myself recalling many of them i couldn't find myself bringing the tune to mind or you know knowing what they were or knowing which song was which from the title and i still find there's a bit of a massive confusion around this set of songs so it's interesting nothing's standing out in that way but there's actually some very well that word again pleasant songs Mm. amongst this there's a different theme here with this national final isn't it this year yeah yeah and I do feel that it's a shame that they weren't given the chance to have that live audience experience because I think some of these songs would have come alive in many, many ways. I think we should give people the benefit of that doubt, actually, because, yeah, it's a hard gig. You're in a massive arena mm-hmm. to get the energy levels up. Yeah, and also these artists, uh, people like we are, they're probably scared. They're probably yeah. thinking, oh, my God, I'm here in the national final. We're going to go to your region. It's, it's a scary, it was a scary time, you know. Back in March, yeah, February, March. So, absolutely. yeah, maybe we should be a bit more appreciative that that's a hard thing to really get into. Yeah. yeah. But one of those six is going to be our cherry for 2020 from Denmark, which is it going to be? You'll find out in a moment. But next, we have this. Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. This is our section where we want to just highlight something that's nice in the world. Something that's nice and positive in Eurovision fandom. And this week, well, it's a little bit of a curio. The Eurovision film seems to be the gift that keeps on giving. And there are more and more things coming as a result of it. Doesn't it? Yes. (laughs) And so we wanted to highlight... So this is courtesy of Netflix in the Netherlands and Belgium, who have been highlighting some of the songs from the Netflix Eurovision movie, but doing them as cover versions by Dutch artists. Yeah. So we've had three so far. We've had Jean Gu, lovely Jean Gu, singing in the mirror. We've had Maxine and Franklin Brown from 1996, the Netherlands act who sang the edge the care they have done a cover of double trouble which is another bloody earworm i can't stop getting that trouble tonight Uh, and uh, probably the most well known of the dutch artists of those is edcelia romble who's done a cover of husavik 
in English and in Icelandic. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Absolutely. her. And she's wearing a frock, which I didn't like at first, but then Adrian pointed out that the frock is in the colours of this year's logo. It's it sort of is. an abstract rendering uh, in the same colours. So actually now, I'm like, oh yeah, that kind of works. So, so I love it, Silla. She's like so on brand at any given <laughs> moment. <laughs> she's been brilliant throughout. That performance, though, I have to say, I don't think it really goes to show how songs might be a good song. Right. And it is actually Huzovic is an incredible song. Edzilia is a brilliant vocalist, but I don't think that performance was particularly amazing mm-hmm. compared to the original because it's almost like this is why songs and artists need to be paired up properly. Do you see what I mean? Not that I'm trashing this at all. It's it's great. Like the level, we're talking like we're being very, very picky here. Um, but it just didn't work as much as Molly Sandon, the original, because sometimes great singer, great song don't necessarily match. Absolutely. And we mentioned this actually on a previous episode where we were talking about those final formats where you pick the singer and then you have a number of songs for them to sing and you've got to get the match. And it's all about the integrity. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Molly Sandin's voice in this, in Husevik, is just out of this world. Exceptional. She's brilliant and she's absolutely right. And it's Silly's voice is out of this world, but not as good a match. But this has been an unexpected little delight. You know, it's kind of come from nowhere. Nobody was expecting this. And they're recorded in the Ahoy Arena. Yeah. It's like nobody knew about this. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of a heads up of what's going on. Mm. Nobody knew. It just dropped yeah. on, on YouTube, Netflix. Everyone's like, what? <laughs> and so nice. I think what's great, I was sceptical about the movie, as I think I've said. But the response has actually been way bigger than I thought it was going to be. And just getting something like this is really just a treat. I wonder if they're going to do any more. These are the only ones that are out at the moment when we're recording this, which is Monday, a week before this will come out. Yeah, bear that in mind, please. (laughs) There may be some more uh, by then, but they've been an absolute delight. So they are... Matt and Monty's good thing of the week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. So there's only really one thing left for us to talk about, and that is the cherry selection, what we've chosen. Now, I kind of, I'm trying to think, we chose this up quite a while ago as a team, but I f- this was one of the very non-eventful, we're pretty much in agreement, and so who have we chosen, Monty? What song, what cherry? We've chosen Human by Jasmine Rose and... Roxalops. Roxalops. It goes a little something like this. So that, that's our song, and I think um, we're all pretty happy with that. I think it's got... When we th- when we pick these cherries, we don't really re- apply any real particular criteria. It's different for different songs, but we do feel like this is going to look good on a big screen in a venue, if we have a live event, mm-hmm. hopefully. It's going to look good. We think this is probably the best cherry 
for second cherry to pick, right? Yeah, from Denmark. So that's it for Denmark. You can get in touch with us on our socials. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. Twitter at Second Cherry, Instagram, Second underscore Cherry, and Facebook is Second Cherry Podcast. And also, just like Neil, you can email us at... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. <laughs> right, guys, we're off because me and Monty want to carry on drinking. Woo! <laughs> so uh, we'll see you later or next week. And please join us. Be good, be happy, and be in Romania. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> That's where we'll be. Yeah. But <laughs> well, we'll see you later then. Take care. Bye. Bye.